Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring our message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Good morning, church. Guys, we are excited to get into worship today. You know, when we come together, when we lift up the name of Jesus, if we come together, we even lift each other up too. And even if you're in the face of the battle right now, I just want to encourage you, when we choose to shift our focus onto Jesus and not look at everything that's in front of us, He changes things. He changes our perspective and our focus is on Him. He's already doing it. He's already working on it. So I just want to encourage you to press into Him this morning because I know that He's working on your behalf. Let's go. Yeah. 
so glad to see you all back this morning. We have been talking about relationships. Started last week, love and basketball. How many of you caught last week's message? Would you raise your hand? So as you can see, we're dealing with a very touchy subject and we're doing it with a funny twist. That's the whole idea of love and basketball, to take relationships using basketball phraseology, putting the Bible into it and talking to men and women about that difficulty of making a great relationship work. Because anytime we start talking about relationships between men and women, nerves are raw. It seems like sometimes there's a scab that gets pulled off and, and it makes things awkward and uncomfortable. But we promised each other last week we weren't gonna do that in here. We promised we'd keep it light. And that's the whole idea, is that we might be able to get some fun teaching into the minds of men when it comes to women and in the minds of women when it comes to men, to really examine what God said, because this whole idea of a relationship between a man and a woman is supposed to be awesome, and it was all God's idea. But many times there are struggles that we have along the way of making those things work. If a relationship's great, it's the best thing in this life. If it's bad, it can be the worst feeling in this life. So after this whole COVID thing that we have gone through and seeing relationships really take a hit and seeing stable relationships, you know, really kind of being shaken, we decided that we were going to just go after Easter with uh, love and basketball. And today, guys, in the second quarter, part two of this series, we got Pastor Joe and Pastor Will on the stages. They were hysterical at nine o'clock. They are the comic relief to those of us in the offices up here. And you're gonna to get to see some really cool side, really cool side of them. And not only that, you're gonna love, love, love the teaching this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you so very, very much. And thank you for loving us. Thank you, Father, for the whole idea of a marriage relationship. Thank you for the women fall in love with men, men fall in love with women. Thank you even for the complications that come into that. And Lord, I pray today that you would bless. Everyone would leave here laughing and encouraged. And I pray that anybody throws an elbow, it'd be out of fun and out of teasing. And then Father, everybody would leave here just blessed and, and, and with greater knowledge. We love you so much. We praise you. Pray that everything we have sung to you was a love song to bring you glory and honor. We ask, Father, that you would be further glorified now in Jesus' name. Amen. Greet people as you are comfortable, and then you may be seated. If you are a guest or a visitor here at Fellowship, we'd love to extend to you a very special welcome. We're glad that you're here. Whether you're joining us in person or online, you can grab your device and you can simply text the word fellowship to the number 94,000. When you do that, it'll lead you through a series of quick prompts, answer a couple questions, and it'll connect you with one of our pastors that will help you get to know a little bit more about the church and also us get to know a little bit more about you. If you'd rather, you can show up in person at the information counter in our church lobby and they'll trade you a little bit of information for a gift card to go to the church bookstore and get a free specialty drink for you and everyone in your visiting party but whatever works best for you we're just glad you're here this morning if you've been a part of our church family and you've thought to yourself how do I take my next steps whether it's to get connected or whether it's to grow in your faith we can help answer any of those questions at the East Pergola there's a booth labeled next steps and the idea here is 
Sometimes someone has to hear your story, hear what classes you've already taken before they can recommend another one or tell you what small groups there are so you can say what you're interested in. And so that kind of uh, becomes a conversation of us supporting you as you figure out what your next step in faith actually is. Every time we come together, the Bible says that we should gather in the Lord's house and we should bring a gift. And so there are a lot of ways to give, and you can do so with the Church Center app. That's kind of the number one. You can text give. You can give online. You can um, do an offering in the drop boxes on your way out of the worship center. Any of those will work. Recently, um, I don't know why I said recently. It was really like 15 years ago. Um, the older I get, the more I do stuff like that. So about 15 years ago, I realized I need to start being a grown-up and making investments towards retirement, right? And so I called the financial advisor and I asked a few questions. And in the end, I wanted to know, is there any investment that I could possibly make that is going to 100% have the protection that there's no chance I'm going to lose money, but there's a great chance I'm going to gain money? And he kind of shook his head. He's like, that's not a thing. And I was like, do you have anything that will guarantee a return of 30, 60, or 100 fold of the original investment? And again, he shook his head. And so I thought to myself, but God does, right? The Bible says that when we invest in the kingdom of God, that he guarantees protection over our resources. And then he'll take those resources and multiply 30, 60, or 100 fold. And so especially in this economy, yeah, we gotta be investing, we gotta be thinking long term, right? But also, we've gotta be investing in the kingdom work of God and making sure that God's kingdom's gonna go forth. And when we create that partnership between us and God when it comes to our finances, we do receive protection and we receive a guaranteed return, 30, 60, or 100 fold. So let me pray with you over your finances. God, we love you, and we know that everything we have is because you blessed us with it. You blessed us with the resources, the job, the common sense to work the job or the skills uh, to excel at that job. And we pray in Jesus' name that you would continue to find us trustworthy stewards and that you would continue to pour blessings and resources into our lives. We ask that you would multiply what we have, God, cause our stuff not to break down but to last longer and, and run correctly, that we wouldn't have to make unnecessary repairs. God, we thank you that you are in the business of providing for your kids. And to be honest, we're kind of a needy kids. And so we pray that you would pour blessings and resources into each one represented in this room and give us an abundance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's always a ton of stuff happening here at Fellowship Church. Let's take a look. We have a guest reception coming up May 15th in between services. This is a perfect opportunity to meet new people, to see what's going on here at Fellowship Church, to get a tour of the building. So if you haven't signed up yet, go ahead and sign up on the Church Center app. Camp 4640 is coming up. It's May 26th to the 29th and it's filling up really quick. So if you haven't signed up your middle school student or your high school student, you can do so now on the Church Center app. You probably hear us talking about the Church Center app, and if you have no idea what we're talking about or just need help, go to the west end of the lobby and they can help you out. They can help you set up your account. They can help you just navigate through it. And the Church Center app is a good way to see what's going on here at Fellowship Church, our classes, and what we offer here. Memorial Day is coming up and we would love to honor those who gave their lives and served in any branch of the military. You can do so by sending photos of your loved ones, friends, families, anyone that you know that served and gave their lives to media at fellowshipgj.com or you can send those through our Church Center app on the Memorial Day photos. Thank you for joining us. Get ready for part two of Love and Basketball. 
Friends for probably 10 years now. Uh, we've feels worked, like 20. Feels yeah. like 20 because it's so good, such a good, yeah, so great, such a great relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and we have, uh, you know, obviously we work together and we obviously recreate together. We do, we're kind of like super friends. We do everything together yep. a lot of times. And the problem with doing things together is we're both highly competitive people. And the other problem with being highly competitive people and friends is we're two very different people. And his skill sets are not my skill sets and my skill sets are not his skill sets. And so we like doing things together, but we're always arguing about what we should do because we want to do what we're good at but what we're good at, the other person is not good at. So for instance, like racquetball. I love playing racquetball. He's really good at racquetball. I'm really good at breaking rackets, okay. Uh, I, mountain biking, we go mountain biking together mm-hmm. and, and we like to, I love going up the hills because- He leaves everyone else I behind. faster than him up to the die. hill. We go to the gym together, we're lifting, you know, and it's like, who can bench press more? He can, who can do more pull-ups? This sure. guy, right? Sure. So we're always back and forth, and there's this competition, but we're, we're, we're just different in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one something we're very competitive at, but it's kind of equal is what? Racing up the stairs. Racing up the stairs, yes. yes. Uh, we're grown-ups for sure, but <laughs> we love racing up the stairs. And it's not just who can get up the stairs the fastest, because if the other person is ahead, the other person is frantically yep. swiping Tackling. at the legs. Um, it's, it's, it's sweep the leg, it's crawl over that person. You're falling up, it's not Right, you're going uphill. We, we do don't not race, race down. We don't race yeah. downstairs, okay? We understand, okay? We have, we have kids. Something we've tried to play, <laughs> something we've tried to do uh, you know, a lot and we started playing basketball together. I've played basketball most of my life. Uh, my dad was a big basketball player, he played all the time. Uh, so I had, a, I had a hoop out in my driveway, I'd be shooting hoops all the time, I played in school. I still play today, I love it. Even though my body says I probably shouldn't anymore, I still ignore it, which is a bad idea. But nonetheless, uh, I played basketball a lot. Will, on the other hand. No. No, he didn't. I played a uh, real man sport called wrestling. Um, the clothing required to wrestle alone makes all me feel right. like a... But while we played, I, Will, Will had played enough that he knew, you know, you put the ball in the, in the basket, in the basket basketball, yes. right? He knew enough of it. There was one thing that he excelled really well at. He was really good at, which was? Defense. No, fouling, fouling. He was really good <laughs> at fouling, okay? He was so good at fouling, he would foul without even knowing he was fouling, okay? He was just a natural at it. I've never met anybody like that. And we played together, and I could have called a foul on him, but I didn't, and the reason why is because I wanted to keep playing. And I knew if, he, if I called every foul on him, he'd probably get frustrated and quit on me. So I just never called fouls on him when we were just playing, me and him, like at the gym. But then we decided to take it a little further. Yeah, he decided to like, convince me to join a three-on-three city league. So now it's not just me and Joe at Gold's Gym, it's like there's a league with rules. So I'll never forget the first game that we played. I'm, everybody's calling a foul on me. And I'm like, what is going on? Because it's the same basketball I've ever played. And I go up to Joe and I'm like, Joe, dude, they keep calling fouls. And Joe goes, yeah, that's because you're fouling them. He was, he was fouling so much. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is, you've never called fouls like this on me? And he's like, yeah, I just didn't want to 
I just, I just didn't want to, you know, make you sad or anything. And I'm like, ah. So the rest of the game, like it changed the whole game for me. And honestly, I got better at basketball when I started playing by the rules. It's weird how that works. Um, but when we're talking about relationships and we're talking about marriages and, and everything, we need to understand like what a foul is. And this idea that like, for me, when, when I really learned what a foul was in basketball and I started playing by the rule book, it made it better for me. The game was more successful for me. And just like that in life, we wanna have a, a successful life. We wanna be able to have successful relationships and marriages. And just like basketball, it has a ref and a rule book. Marriages, they have God in the Bible. So we have this looming question of just like, who determines a foul within a relationship, within a marriage? And at some, to some extent, the couples themselves have to determine what a foul is. Because for one couple, like, how to load the dishwasher may not be that big of a deal. For another couple, it, loading the dishwasher may be a very big deal. And just as I say that, I'm so sorry, honey, I love you. Wherever you are, you're amazing and beautiful. And I <laughs> love the way that you load the dishwasher. I love it, I do. But the Bible and, and our relationship with God has to be the first place that we look at when it comes to determining what a foul is. How does God define vows? You know, Joe and I and a lot of us pastors here have officiated wedding ceremonies from time to time. And one of the most common things said during a wedding ceremony is this comparison of, of marriage being the sacred symbol to our eternal life with God. And so we can even look at the life of Jesus and how he interacted with his bride being the church and how, what, how we can determine what a foul is and how we can live that successful life. So as we jump into what we feel like God has for us today, Remember, again, this isn't a time to like elbow your neighbor and be like, this is where you foul. Like you throw the flag, that's a foul, right? Um, or a whistle, it's a whistle. Yeah, there's no yeah, flags there's in There's no flags. Okay. He's doing better, so he's learning. It's a different sport. <laughs> Score a goal unit basket. Um, <laughs> but we need to understand that like, like God and the Bible, like they have something for us. So we wanna look personally and inward first. We're not just gonna elbow the other person and see, see, this is where you committed the foul. So let's look at inward first. Um, but we wanna do this morning, we wanna lean on God's word and we wanna call out four different fouls that the enemy is gonna try and get us to commit during our relationships and in our marriages. Yeah, so the first foul we see in marriage is what I would call deprioritization. And what that means is lowering the care or attention given, or the investment you put into something, or in our case today, as we're talking about relationships, into someone. And I get that life is very busy. Life, life can fill up so quickly. You've got your job, you've got friends, you've got family, loved ones, you've got all of these things, a, a marriage to take care of, you've got finances to take care of it, and your life gets full so fast. And then you add kids to all of that mess, and now all of a sudden, it's not just you've gotta take care of what all you've gotta do, and what your wife's got to do. And now you've got kids and you've got extracurriculars and you've got all of these different things that causes your life to feel very full and very chaotic. And in order to kind of help with that, what we do is we begin to prioritize. We say, okay, what is the most important things that I need to make sure I keep a priority in my life in this season? I'm running out of time, so some things are going to have to fall through the cracks while other things remain a priority. But oftentimes, it's the people we are closest to that we deprioritize in our life. 
when life gets busy because we think they'll understand. And in some ways, they're, they're a little bit obligated to understand when you don't make them as much of a priority. And it's so easy to look at our life and see important relationships in our life and choose not to prioritize them. We look at our marriage and we, you know, things get busy and we're going, uh, well, honey, date night, I know we usually go on a date night you know, once a week or every other week and stuff, but we just don't really have the time right now, you know, so let's just go ahead and put that aside. And, and we begin to deprioritize that relationship because we're busy and we feel like, well, they'll understand, we're married. Same thing can be with kids. Like if we're not giving the kids the attention they need or the, the time they need because we're so busy at work and all, we, we kind of go, well, I, I, they're, they're a priority, but that job, that, that money needs to, is that number one priority in my life. And they'll understand because they're my kids and they'll understand because I'm providing for them. Maybe it's a, a friendship that you've got where you, you guys usually meet up for coffee every you know, every once in a while to kind of talk about life and make sure you're holding each other accountable. And in that moment, you know, you're getting busy. You're just like, well, he'll understand. He'll understand if I don't show up for that coffee. But in relationships, that's a foul. Deprioritization is a foul. We can't use the other person's love for us against them to be able to not make them a priority. If anything, it's because they love you that you should make them a very high priority in your life. Things that we like to put very high in a priority in our life are often things that don't love us. We might love them, but they don't love us. Our job is something that we, we keep as a high priority in our life. And obviously we need money. We need to make sure our finances are stable and sound. And so we make that a high priority, but we've got to remember our job doesn't love us. You know, and we, we think we, we make time for social media and, and, and we find time to you know, do the scrolling and all that. And we might love that time to kind of unwind and decompress, but that social media platform, Facebook, doesn't love us. You know, we can hit that like button, but they're not hitting our like button, right? And then with golf clubs. You might love golf clubs. You might love golf. Golf clubs don't love you back. But we need to prioritize. We need to prioritize who and who we love. Pastor Hooper last week talked about this idea of like the, the, the truck that, that we have, that the big expensive truck that we, we make sure we get that car payment, you know, the, the insurance, we fill it up with the premium gas, which costs a million dollars right now to fill up that tank, but you don't mind. You don't mind because you love that truck, you know, and you get the car wash, the detail, the oil changes, all of these things. You make sure it's in primo condition. Why? Because you care about it and you prioritize the things that you care about. So what does it look like to prioritize a relationship? Well, let's look at a marriage. What would it look like to prioritize a marriage? Well, it looks like this, asking this question. Any decision you're making, you ask, how is this going to affect my marriage? As you go through your life, any decision, major or little, you're going, how is this going to affect my ability to keep my marriage a priority? Maybe as you're growing as a family and you guys are you're, you know, having extra kids and now all of a sudden you've got, you're feeling the squeeze of the house, like you need more room to spread out. You want the, the extra bedroom, you'd like the guest bedroom so that they can put all of their toys in that bedroom rather than in the middle of your living room. And you think a bigger kitchen will help because the mess won't look as messy if it's spread out along a bigger kitchen. And you're, you're doing all these things and you're going, okay, let's get a bigger house. And, and you guys maybe agree on that in that moment, but you gotta remember, how is this going to affect our marriage? Yeah, we might be kind of happier in some ways because we have a bigger house, but man, I, I'm gonna have to work some more hours. I'm gonna have to make sure I pick up any of those overtime shifts. Or, or I'm gonna have to, we're gonna, it's gonna take us all day Saturday to clean this house because it's so much bigger. And we have to remember the inconvenience of maybe some limited square footage 
isn't worth the inconvenience of a broken or hurting marriage. Isn't worth making that marriage lesser of a priority. Maybe you're trying to climb up the corporate ladder, get those promotions, so you're working the overtime, you're going above and beyond to be able to get that spot and you want that job promotion, but how is it affecting your marriage? Is it, is it something where it's becoming more of a priority than your marriage? Even kids, we have our kids. Maybe you gotta think about, having this other kid. We have one, we have two kids. How would a third kid affect the, my ability to make sure that my spouse feels like they are a priority in my life? Because we need to make sure that they are put, put first. Now we're going, okay, all of our kids, we've got two kids, we've got all these extracurriculars and our kids, they always wanna do the, uh, the next thing. Yeah, they wanna play baseball, but now all of a sudden they wanna also play soccer and they wanna also do this and this. My Molly wants to do dance while Wallace wants to play, all of these things. And so now we're all of a sudden, we're spending all of our time kind of carting, carpooling kids to all these different activities. Maybe we need to look at it and go, how is this affecting our marriage? Is this affecting my ability to make my marriage a priority? Because the truth is kids, they're gonna be better off with parents who make sure that their marriage stays a priority in their life. A few less activities and living in a peaceful, happy home will be better for them and everybody in the home if you keep that a priority. Maybe you're going, I'm just still looking for the right person. I'm looking for Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright and I'm still trying to find that relationship. Let me say, if, they are, if you are not a priority in their life right now, before you're married, then they're probably not marriage material. If you're struggling to get them to, to make you a priority in their life, a ring on the finger, a last name change, isn't gonna change anything. Oftentimes you'll see that once, once they get the ring on the finger and you know, the wedding and all that stuff, it's kind of like, okay, now I've got the spouse, I've got the marriage, now it's on to the next thing. So if you're not a priority before you're married, it's even easier later in life in marriage to make that person not a priority. Anything excellent, anything that you want done well, anything that you want that is good requires time. It requires investment. It requires making it a priority. Your physical body, whether that's your, you know, learning a new skill, whether that's your financial situation or a relationship, it, requires it to be a priority in your life. Spend time, go on the dates, spend money, go on the vacation, say kind things, don't, don't just be too tired, but, but pour yourself out into that other person, make them feel like they are a priority. And a big one would be be present, which leads us to our next foul. The second foul that we can see in marriage is disengagement, and not just marriage, but relationships in general. Disengagement means to separate or distance or release from an attachment. Now, how many of you know when you get married, you are now attached to that person, right? You are. And that first year, sometimes it hits you like a train of like, this, this person is in my personal space. You can't get away. You can't get away uh -uh. from this person, right? But the Bible goes on to talk about the marriage relationship so much so that it's like being one flesh. But even if you're dating someone or really good friends, because God wired us for connection and because that's just how we are made to be in relationship with one another, it's as if we are tied together, like our souls are tied together. Now the foul of disengagement is when one person decides to separate or pull away from that attachment. Now there are a few reasons that we would wanna disengage during um, a relationship or in a marriage. One of those being a competing interest of some kind. Another reason would be an unaddressed offense. Number three, because 
there might be an unwillingness to change or improve in some level. Now, the first one's simple. There could be a competing interest within the relationship that causes someone to want to pull back or release from that attachment. And one of the easiest ways that we can see disengagement in like a man, and maybe not all men, but most guys would be the restaurant Buffalo Wild Wings, okay? <laughs> you can't go on dates there. There's too much going on in that room. You have, you have football here and baseball here. Like I cannot take Robin on a date there because I won't listen to a thing that she says. It's just true. I was even on, at lunch with Joe and Sean and Jeff. Not on a Jeff. date with me. You almost said on a date. I said we lunch. We weren't on a date. It's just yeah. lunch. It's Don't lunch. read too much into that. Right. Um, but <laughs> but they, they took me out for my birthday and I was just, I wasn't listening to anything they were saying. Or I, I wasn't. I was watching daytime ESPN which is just filled with the most excellent entertainment imaginable. <laughs> they have marbles on there now, it's crazy. <laughs> but I can't, I can't be a person, like I can't be who I am when I have a competing interest for my attention within the room. I won't be present. And you, you can't even, I mean, culture even trains us to spread our attention around. Like if you, if you watch the news, you'll be watching a news story and underneath it will be another news story, like scrolling across the bottom competing for your interests right there. It's just, I can't focus on one thing. We get out our rectangles, right? Our, our smartphones in our pockets. And it's just one thing after another. We're scrolling through Facebook or TikTok or Instagram where every single thing is trying to grab our attention. And the truth is that culture trains us to spread our attention out. But God, he trains us to engage with one another. Now, this is a very specific attack on just communication in general. We have to be able to communicate with one another what our needs are in each season. And a lot of times when there's a lack of communication, we'll look at the other person and be like, why aren't you communicating? Like you're not communicating. But I wanna look inwardly first. And if I ask myself, have I been trained to listen? Like am I, am I putting that on myself too? Like can I, can I really hear? Then all of a sudden we can see this attack of these competing interests. Because, I mean, it can look a couple different ways. We can put our phones in a drawer when we get home. So there's no competing interest for my time with my family. You can eat dinner in a different room than a TV. So there's no competing interest right there. We can be present in the moment. You can train yourself just by, I mean, you know yourself. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to have extra things that will compete for your interest to where you want to disengage in that relationship or within your marriage. Another reason we disengage is when there's an unaddressed offense within the marriage. And oftentimes when we disengage because of an offense, what happens in that disengagement is internal, like inside me before my body actually leaves the room. Meaning when, when I feel like I'm offended, I, I wanna draw back a little bit. Like, oh, you, you offended me, I got hurt. And I wanna draw back a little bit, but my heart kind of leaves before my body does. And it could look as simple as this. Like, they didn't fold the laundry, so I'm not gonna take the trash out anymore. They didn't do their part, I'm not gonna do my part. They were short with me on the phone, so I'm gonna eat dinner in the other room. It could be just as simple as that. They didn't come home on time, so no business time tonight. You know what I mean, right? <laughs> it, can be, it can be that simple sometimes, but the truth is that when we don't fix our offenses, when we don't fix our offenses, we actually remove a piece of our heart, mm -hmm. like away from that place. And it could even be the other person committed a foul. Maybe they weren't prioritizing the relationship. And so you feel offended. So they pulled back because of that. And then you pulled back further. And all of a sudden you're way further apart because both parties at that point had committed a foul. So we have to fix those offenses. And honestly, different personality traits, some people will 
it comes easily to point out the offense in the other person or point out what they did wrong or, or why they were offended. For other people, if you're introverted, you're gonna wanna just pull back and stay back there. But how we can affix an offense, especially like an unaddressed, like small offense, is you wanna bring it into a place, like instead of disengaging, you wanna bring it into a neutral environment. What I mean by that is like, my wife and I, we will not talk about finances after 9 p.m. because I'm tired and I'm, gonna, I'm a little more cranky. I'm, I'm a morning person, night a night owl. So we just, we agreed together that that's not a time we're gonna talk about that so that like we're not gonna create these unaddressed offenses somehow. So find a neutral time, a neutral place to be able to do that. The last reason we can disengage is if we feel the other person has an unwillingness to change or to improve. We say to ourselves something like, you're not even trying. And if I don't see you trying, then man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull back too. But that's a foul. Pulling back because that is a foul. Because the truth is, this is just an attack of disappointment. Disappointment will lead to disengagement. And it could, it could be in the other person or you could be disappointed in the whole thing, in the whole relationship itself. Instead of saying, you're not who I thought you were, you could say, this isn't what I thought it would be. All that is, is an attack from the enemy to get you go down a road of disengagement. So you're no longer being present with that person. Because the truth is nothing can be improved. Nothing can be improved without engagement. And we see it in the life of Jesus. He improved all the lives around him. Every single person he came in contact with on earth, he was present in the moment. He saw their heart. He never pulled back. He never disengaged. So we can do the same sort of thing. So where there's conversation, there should be engagement. Where there's recreation, there should be engagement. When there's physical intimacy, there should be engagement there. It basically means that when I'm with you, I'm actually with you. So the next foul we have in relationships is this one of dismissiveness. And I would define it as minimizing or disregarding the needs or the unmet needs someone brings to you. So your spouse, let's, let's look at the marriage relationship again. And, and the spouse comes to you with a need and says, I need, you fill in the blanks. I need more attention. I need more just hugs and handholds. I, I need more date nights. I need more sexual intimacy. I need more help. I need more support around the home. What, whatever it is, they come to you with that need. And dismissiveness in us would say something like, well, I'm doing my best. Or I, you're just being dramatic. You're just tired. You're, you're fine. Or, 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 or hey, I'm busy too. Or we bring an unmet need rather than addressing their need. We just simply say, well, you are not meeting my needs in such and such a way. And then we begin to dismiss their needs in a way. And that, that's a foul. But that's, that's not what love is in a, in a relationship. Love needs to listen. It doesn't disregard when, uh, when someone comes to you and says, I'm, I'm in need, I'm struggling with this. Love listens and it doesn't disregard. Dismissiveness though, would want to minimize and devalue that person's need. Saying something along the lines of, you shouldn't need that. But Philippians 2.4 says, abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. If you dismiss a person's needs, they really only have two options in a relationship. They can one, live frustrated without that need being met, or two, go get the need met somewhere else. Maybe we look back at the relationship between you and your kids, and, and 
we start to see this a lot. I see this a lot in high school. You know, all of a sudden these kids just start one relationship after another and it just seems like they can't be single. And that, that says that there's some kind of unmet need there. And oftentimes it goes, my, my, my dad's not around, my dad's working or, you know, or, or you know, split families or anything like that. And they have that need for attention, for love, and it's unmet. And so they go find it somewhere else. In the confines of marriage, this gets even a little bit harder because there are certain needs that can or at least should only be met by our spouse. And when those needs are unmet, it creates frustration. And and then that, that can cause the other person to search for that need to be met, speaking in basketball terms, out of bounds. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. This is why we need a relationship with Jesus to not just rely only on that spouse to meet our needs because Jesus says, seek me first and everything you need will be given to you because he knows that we're human and he knows that we're not always gonna be able to meet all of the needs of the other person in a relationship. We have this idea of this 80-20 principle that we use a lot here at Fellowship Church and it's basically this. At your best, you will only be able to meet your spouse's or another person's needs at your best, 80%. There will always be 20% that you will not meet. And that's at your best, okay? And if we're all honest, there's not a lot of times when we're at our best, okay? So that number comes down even further. But when I was first married to Julie, what at my best I thought was, was things like, you know, uh, looking good for her, right? I was, I was gonna make sure I look good for her, you know, buying her the flowers, making that money, you know, saying things like, hey baby, when she walks in, saying how good she looks. I thought that was me at my best at year one. Uh, year 12 now with kids, that my best has to look far different than that. I, I, I still need to do those things, but more importantly, Meeting her needs looks more like, hey, do you want me to take care of the kids for bed, bedtime tonight? Uh, would you like me to empty the dishwasher? Uh, hey, well, do you want help folding the laundry? I know what my woman wants, right? Okay, <laughs> all right. That's what it looks like for me. But even in those moments, that's, that's 80%, but I'm not gonna be able to meet all of those needs. I'm always gonna fall 20% short. That's why we need our Father, our Heavenly Father, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides to help us by meeting our needs when those around us are not meeting them and also giving us peace in time when those needs aren't being met. Unmet needs creates some weird questions that we start to ask, kind of dangerous questions. When we have a need that we feel like our, our, the other person in a relationship is dismissing, we ask things like, well, why, why isn't that need being met? What's going on in their life that they cannot meet that need for me? And then the other one, which I think is even more dangerous, is why don't you care enough about me to meet it? If we're supposed to be in this relationship and and I'm supposed to be your spouse and I'm supposed to, you know, you're supposed to put my needs before your own and I'm giving you, I'm telling you this is a need that's not being met, why don't you care about it? it? It can be a very, very dangerous situation. And when the people in our life bring us their unmet needs, we need to do a few things. One, we need to listen. We need, we need to listen to them and, and, and hear them. Number two, we need to acknowledge the need. We say, I understand that this is a need. You can't always argue with feelings. You can't argue when somebody says, this is a need of mine. You just need to acknowledge it. Then this would be a question I would ask is this, what would it look like for me to meet that need? Ask them what it would look like if 
moving forward, I met that need. What were some examples for me, some concrete examples of how I could meet that need for you? Because then you're able to make an action plan. And they might give you some examples and you're going like, well, I'm sorry, honey, I know you really want like a little bit better, uh, you know, more attention and, and some more conversation late at night when I get home from work but that's the worst time to have a conversation with me, okay? My brain is so fried by the end of the night and you can begin to compromise. You can begin to sort of communicate and figure that out. But just having that conversation shows that you're not dismissing the need and that will allow you to avoid the foul of dismissiveness. The last foul that can be committed in a relationship is dysfunction. Or in other words, functioning improperly. Now notice it's not functioning imperfectly because we're all imperfect. We say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. That's just part of being, being human. But when we're functioning improperly, meaning things just are not properly working, that's when stuff starts to lead down to a path toward death. Now, imperfect people can have very successful, long-lasting marriages. They absolutely can. But when we cross into the realm of just trying to operate in just inappropriately or improperly, that's where it can get really, really bad. See, one of the harsh realities of marriage is the fact that whoever you are with, get this, whoever you're with, their character is either, either gonna be your greatest blessing or your biggest crisis. Whoever you're with, their character will be either your greatest blessing or your biggest crisis. Because a lot of times we think the problem is marriage itself. It's like, oh, my marriage, oh, my marriage. But marriage itself isn't the problem. It was designed for us by God and we were designed for it. And sometimes we think that marriage is the solution. We just need to get married. That's gonna, that's gonna fix everything. We need to come, come together and do that. But the truth is marriage won't fix you. It will expose you. See, the solution to dysfunction or, or, or operating in a place that, that's just improper, that is simply having a willingness to grow personally. See, all of the other fouls so far had to do with, with the other person and your interaction with them. This foul has everything to do with our own heart first. See, if you have a willingness to grow and to address your imperfections and you show your, your spouse or whoever you're in a relationship with, you show them that, that in itself, though you're imperfect still, will go toward a long lasting marriage. There has to be a commitment to grow personally for the marriage to function properly. And we all should be loved. We all should be loved despite our imperfections. But we shouldn't make the people we love subject to a lifetime of suffering because we refuse to address them. Wow. We can't do that to them. We gotta be willing to address our own imperfections in ourselves first. And then we will see our marriage and relationships move toward what success looks like. Because people, they're gonna become blessed out of your growth or hurt because of lack thereof. I'd be willing to grow. So when I put a ring on Robin's finger, growing was not optional for me any longer. Because there are seasons in my life where I stopped growing in my relationship with Jesus or I stopped growing in my walk as a husband or, or, or my walk as a father. Those seasons were harder on my wife than seasons when I was willing to grow. When seasons when I was willing to, to put forth the effort and try and work on my own imperfections as well. And this, this should be one of the greatest traits if you are, are, are looking to get married down the road or you're dating right now, this should be one of the greatest traits you see in somebody is are they willing to grow? Are they willing to grow? The, the first and foremost trait should be if they know Jesus, they love him. The second one should be, are they willing to grow? Because as pastors, we've seen it a lot of times where other things take those top spots as far as what you're looking for in someone else. Like, oh, but pastor, will they... 
I mean, she looks good though. She looks good. I mean, I, I get all the other stuff, but man, I'm, I'm very attracted to her. Like, I get that. I get that. But that'll eventually get old. It will. If they have, they have money, they have all this money. And yeah, you'll have the, the clothes and you'll have the house and the cars and all that stuff, but you'll still, you could still end up sad. The number one thing we should look for, if, if I want my character to be a blessing in someone's life is, am I willing to just grow? And just know it's not, we'll, we'll have seasons where we don't feel like we're growing very much. And those are seasons where we're t- trying to tuck in closer to God and where maybe we're learning some hard truths, but I'm still willing to improve. And if we do that, then our character starts to become that blessing for other people. And it could look a couple different ways. If we, knew, if we wanna grow in our communication with one another, it might, it might mean setting some parameters around screen time when I get, get home. I mean, one of, the, one of the biggest things I did for my marriage was I, I took my work email off my cell phone. I'm so sorry if I haven't emailed you back this weekend, okay? <laughs> Just trying to date my wife. <laughs> But that's, that, that's for me, that's what I needed for my heart was to, was to separate that so there's no other competing interests. And I'm able to prioritize her in a way and I'm, I'm able to not dismiss things that she brings to me because I'm, I'm setting forth a willingness to grow and that's all it is. If we wanna grow in meeting our spouse's needs, maybe we need to stop trying to satisfy our own outside the relationship and give them room to do that for us so that we can pour into them as well. If we wanna grow in our walk with Christ, and sometimes that means we need to stop just staying in step with the world and we need to start staying in step with the spirit instead. Because if you don't have a willingness to grow, all these other fouls, they don't really matter all that much. But if your willingness to grow and, and to engage in that relationship more, then you can see that life and life to the fullest that Jesus promises every single one of his followers, you can see that come into fruition. Because the truth is we serve a limitless God. He's always calling us into something further calling us into something deeper. And if we have that willingness to grow, he will always come through and show you new things. And it can be through a valley, through a hard spot, but I promise you, you will come out better than before. And because we're doing that, we're willing to grow in our personally, you watch your relationship and your marriage grow as well. First Timothy 4.15 says this, make all of this your constant meditation and make it real with your life so everyone can see that you're moving forward. So everyone can see you're moving forward. See, being willing to grow is a characteristic of the kingdom of God. It's a characteristic that we carry as followers of Jesus. So first it starts here. So what do we do with this today? Like create a place in your heart where you can just like ask God, all right, God, I'm, and just tell him, I'm willing to grow. And from that place, as we talked about these different fouls, like think about, if there's, if there's deprioritization, if there's dismissiveness, if there's disengagement, there's this level of disinfunction, like create a space, a conversation, schedule this week with, with your spouse, with, with who you're in a relationship with, that's neutral. No one's hangry, all right? No, no one's in a place, like don't right after before lunch, go do it right now, like just chill for a second. Just be present in the moment and then just bring it up. And as you do that, I promise you, you're gonna be able to learn to see what a foul is just through your relationship with Jesus. And he's gonna show you that. And his kindness will lead you to what repentance looks like. And through that, you'll get closer to him and closer to your spouse as well. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Father, I pray for every single relationship, every single marriage, every single future marriage in this room. Listening online, I pray, God, that you lay your hand a blessing on them.
And Father, I pray first before anything else that you create in us a willingness to grow. And that as you do that, God, we not only get closer to you, we get closer uh, to our spouse. Father, thank you for them. Thank you for every relationship in this room. And God, I just pray that as we draw closer to you, we know you draw closer to us. And so Father, I pray for that rich and that satisfying life to come to fruition throughout this series and even in this week, God, because you are good and everything that is good and perfect comes from you and marriage is one of those things. So Lord, we love you. We thank you in your heavenly name, amen. Thank you guys so much for spending your Sunday with us. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94,000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text fellowship to 94,000 to connect with one of our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.